0: Alright, okay. Thanks a lot, Lord. Thanks a lot for opening my eyes. We talk about penance and you send us through the door. Well, we play by your rules, don't. Well, don't we? <laughs>
1: I love uh, oh, no. That was one of those songs where for years I I didn't know the name of it. And you know, like I, I showed the movie to my brother, and he, we both cracked up during that entire song.
0: It's an entertaining song.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, well it's kind of, but it's good when you get a biscuit. But it's the kind of biscuit where you get two pieces of bread, and I then wish you smash you had some meat. So go, 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 go 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 All
0: right,
1: <laughs> All right so. We, we sang too much last time. <laughs> we, we were singing a little bit. Yes. Well, it's hard not to sing though when talking about the first movie that Andrew will be talking about. Which uh, is a film that I've been waiting for him to watch for quite a while now, and now that we come to the end of the 1973 series, which I, you know, I didn't mean to make them all 1973 movies. It's just <laughs> 1973 is a really good year for American movies,
0: and I've been apparently been avoiding that year like the plague. So exactly,
1: God, seventy three, get out of here with your American graffiti and your Badlands. Yeah, and great. now we get the. Now we 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 got the graffiti. We got the Badlands. Now we come to that line that was. It was because of a Raymond Chandler streets. Quote. Down right. these mean streets, a man must go. All which right. Which is a uh, that's a line my father in law likes to say. And now I'm going to time you. And all um, right, so Mean
0: Streets, directed by Martin Scorsese. The one and only. Yeah. Uh, seeing this. I now am firmly in the belief that Harvey Keitel has never been young. What do you mean? He's <laughs> he, not young in this movie. Yeah, but I mean, like, he looks old all hmm. the time. He oh, just yeah? has that kind of face. He's kind of like Peter Cushing.
1: <laughs> Interesting. He's, yeah. Because like, of the cheekbones.
0: Maybe it's he the cheekbones. Yeah, he bones. has kind of high cheekbones, doesn't he? Maybe maybe it's in the cheeks or something, but he always seems like he's at least thirty five years old to me. Yeah, you know, even if if there was like a whole movie of him when he was ten, he would probably look like he was forty. <laughs> but yeah, this. Uh, what we get? This, this is movie Harvey is Keitel. Harvey
1: Keitel and as uh, Charlie. Charlie. Yes, I had it written down here. I knew. Uh, they only mention his name like a, a few dozen times. Right, uh, who's a mobster?
0: In a well, Scorsese movie,
1: he. Here's the thing about it: he is and he isn't. He's kind of trying to. He's trying to get somewhere in this neighborhood, but it's run by mob, It's people in the mob. But his know, uncle
0: he, is a.
1: He he's somebody who has certain connections. We could say. Yeah. I felt like he's not a mobster in the way that Henry Hill. Is a mobster in Goodfellas. He's not somebody who carries around a gun and will beat your ass if you like disrespect like his woman or something. He's somebody who wants an actual respectable business. Like his his main his main goal in the movie, you know, as as loose and episodic as Mean Streets is, he does have a clear goal. He wants to get this restaurant that his uncle is going to give him. Now, granted, he's not getting the restaurant in the way
0: of like how yeah, people but the usually restaurant do. was such a minor part of this plot. Well, that, well, this I guess be so. That. Uh, I mean, I I almost forgot about it several times. But I, the main thing really is about it's this world. Sh- it, it, yeah, it's the movie is about the world that he lives in, which and, is a and little the illy. in it. Uh, there's there is Charlie, of course, played by Harvey Keitel. There's uh, Tony, who's a bar owner, one of his yes. friends. Yeah, he who Michael, used to be who's just friends. this all around shady guy who <laughs> he does a lot of business
1: deals with people who. You know he does a lot of deals with. It seems like he does. Do, he did. A, there's one scene with where he does a deal with a junkie, and you kind of see how pathetic he is.
0: Where right. like he tries to do his uh, deal, he's like. And when he scams those, those yeah, that's why i meant fireworks.
1: To say. Yeah, it's like, he, and the first time we see him in the movie, he tries to do a deal with this guy. He's like, I can't use these things. I ordered,
0: you know, he thinks lens... he's buying camera lenses and he's get, just getting adapters. Yeah, but they're all overshadowed by Johnny Boy, who's just. Insane, played by Robert De Niro. <laughs> the movie that
1: basically launched Robert De Niro's career. Yeah. And was... he seems young.
0: Yeah. I believe
1: Which he... is interesting, because he's not that much younger than Harvey Keitel. He's maybe, like, a few years younger. It's the cheekbones. I think that's it. <laughs> um, and Johnny Boy, what he, what's wrong with him is basically everything. Yeah. He's, like, a guy who owes money to everybody in the neighborhood, uh,
0: and he... Uh, but, but Charlie cha- takes him on mainly as kind of a way of punishing himself, because Charlie has this intense guilt about... Well, he fought, Well, he is friends with, with Johnny, too. It's a weird thing. I really thing. don't think that they would be friends, though, unless he was really trying to help him out with something. Because mm. Johnny Johnny Boy is... When we first see him, he blows up a mailbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And he continuously stiffs stiffs the people who lend him money, and he keeps giving these excuses to Charlie, mm-hmm. even though Charlie's like, "Oh, you gotta pay things, like you gotta do things." And then whenever he makes promises, he breaks them. Well, I don't
1: know though, because I f- I kind of felt like they've been friends for a really long time.
0: I didn't get that feeling.
1: Really? I always felt like like now, granted, he he treats Johnny Boy like I got more of like maybe if not friends and. Then- there's a little bit more of like an older brother, younger brother
0: thing. I got. I never got that. Really, I always felt like it was he was trying to ment- to le- mentor him or at least look out for him mm. and help him. Uh, because and the reason he's doing it is because I mean, in the beginning he's in he's in confession he, he's in the church and he's yeah. saying like man I you know doing penance for all these things it really doesn't make any difference to me I wanna I want to do my penance in my own way mm. and Johnny Boy is his penance. Interesting. That's, uh, he's trying to help this this guy who is clearly, he's kind of lost.
1: <laughs> yeah, like he, you know, and he's somebody who, when you think about the the typical Italian street guy who just does not give a damn, you know, that's Johnny Boy.
0: Yeah, you know he he, but, you know, unlike Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Johnny Boy has no sense about anything. No, it's no not even it's not even due to like having a bad temper or anything. We're having too much to prove. He, Johnny Boy is just he's like a sociopathic. Wild yeah, he he's somebody <laughs> he's who he's like a straight
1: loose and yeah and yeah. But the thing, the weird thing about him is that he is functional up to a point. Like he, like the thing that I always remember, and I rewatched uh, some scenes from the movie. Where, when they first go into the back room, like, you know, and first of all, we should talk about when Johnny Boy enters the bar, which might be one of the greatest entrances in all movies for me. You know, because. He Jack, checks his pants. Well, well, no. <laughs> well, that happens. But then Jumpin' Jack Flash comes up on the jukebox, and there's that shot that pulls up to Harvey Keitel, where right. he's like, oh, fuck. And, like, Har and Roger has two women on each arm, yeah. and it's in slow motion. And he's like, "Yeah, hey, how's it going?" And yeah. and Charlie's like, "No, no, let's go back. Let's go in the back." And and then Robert De Niro gives this long speech about how he lost the money that he was supposed to pay Michael. Right. And it's a really it's impressive all... speech. It's all it's all bullshit, but yeah. it's a very you see how this guy he has some kind of street intelligence, but he's not. In, he cannot function in the real world. That's the problem. I don't if, would you say he that did. he has some street smarts? I don't or maybe think so he's stupid because at way? the end
0: of the film, he just tells off the guy who he owes the most money to. He calls him a jerk. Oh off. no! By that point, and yeah, expe- no. By
1: that point, he's totally screwed. Yeah, but um, no, he
0: doesn't. He doesn't have any streets. He doesn't even have street smarts. Everybody in his neighborhood knows that he's just he he he's crazy. Yeah. Everybody calls him crazy. Uh.
1: Yeah, even his cousin too. She's even on like, the
0: streets he's in he has no survival skills because he owes money to everybody. He doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to dodge. He's reliant on Charlie basically for everything. Charlie keeps giving him money. And in a way, he's maybe just playing Charlie just to get money and to keep all the all the sharks yeah. at bay. No,
1: no, that that I definitely agree with. Like he definitely manipulates Charlie but, but he to, to the even, breaking point. Right,
0: but he doesn't even recognize that when he's being helped. And when
1: yeah, that that's the way. Well, he's a true sociopath.
0: Yeah, you
1: know and he's somebody who doesn't really recognize real kindness. He basically, you know, goes about things in his own way. Right, and but
0: that's but that's the meat of the film. It's all about the relationship between Charlie and Johnny Boy. Char- yeah, and the question Char- is, can you? And
1: I think like, the question at Scorsese, in a way, he answers it before he really asks. it. It's like, can you help this person? The question is no. As but as you're still going to try, try to help him anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's was... how he enters the movie. It's like, eh, yeah, yeah. walk him down the street. Boom! Yeah. Um, so, yeah, De Niro, what can you say about him? He basically bursts on the scene in this he movie, the movie. And, yeah, yeah. It's like, as good as Harvey Keitel is in this movie, and, you know, they're very different characters, obviously, but, you know, de- what De Niro's doing in this movie is just.
0: Um, no. Well, all right. Let me ask you this: What was your favorite scene? Well, I think the scene that I always that I think about whenever I go back is the fight in the pool hall, and then when the police <laughs> come and they try, yeah, and they have to pay him off. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Look, there's no trouble here. All right, let me give you a car fare. It's like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Jersey. It's like, all right, here. It's like, actually, I'm going to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the police leave, and it's like, man, for these cops, every day is Christmas. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, they give you just those that little hint of what this neighborhood is like. That
0: you know, this these kind of fights probably happen, you know, more often than not. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Uh, here's another thing that keeps popping up. Uh, Charlie keeps sticking his hand in in fires. Yeah, well, you know what that yeah. reminds me of? Mm. It reminds me of Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. Do you remember that scene, the scene with Peter O'Toole? And yeah, the right
1: before he blows out the match, he puts the match to his finger and he says, "The trick is not minding." The trick is not minding that it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right,
0: but that, but yeah. but Charlie keeps sticking his hand in in the fire. Basically, I, he he mentions in, in like in the church, he's like. Uh, uh, this is what hell is. It's it's the flame of a match only a thousand times worse. Yeah. And, you know, he just keeps putting his hand in the fire. It keeps hurting him, and he has to pull back. And and it's kind of a, a metaphor for his relation with John, relationship with Johnny Boy. Yeah. Every, yeah, time, every time he tries to help him out, he just keeps getting hurt more and more. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So you think Charlie... Is Charlie too... He's... The problem... The, the conflict in the movie, in a way, it's not just Johnny or Michael. It's also... What if you're too good a person?
0: Well, no, it's, in a way. It's, it's about Charlie's guilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's guilty possibly because he's having an affair with with Johnny Boy's cousin. Well, that's it, too. Uh, you know, he wasn't supposed to get involved in the first place. He's just supposed to watch her. And also, uh, you know, in his general lifestyle, he, he is... Reckless. Yeah. But... Do you yeah, think not, I, I not have to wonder as reckless as Johnny, Boyle's.
1: no, but maybe he sees like you know he knows that he's a little bit reckless he's he tries to pal around with Johnny, there's like a little moment where um like there's a big there's a shooting that happens in the bar. And by the way, you know who plays the drunken guy who got shot, right? Keith, uh, David Carradine. David fucking Carradine, man. At the
0: end of that scene, David Carradine he gets he's probably shot like five times. He's, he's oh, I love that. He keeps getting he's shot stone and he keeps drunk. going after the guy. And and he stumbles out of that bar. He's like, Yep, just another day in the life of David <laughs> <Yeah>. Carradine. <laughs> but that was a uh, that was right. But right Carradine. after but
1: right after that scene happens, they like Charlie and Johnny have kind of like a fight with each other with trash cans. There's, like, a little moment where they do something They're they're playing around. Yeah, they're playing around. Like, there are little moments like that in the movie where, okay, yeah, if Charlie was just looking out for Johnny Boy, he wouldn't mess around like that. You know, it's a weird thing where I, I don't know, maybe I read into it wrong when I watched the movie so many times. Yes, you did. But,
0: okay. (laughs) Every time you read into it wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, the Catholic (laughs) part of the movie, though, is very prevalent in this movie. This is,
0: like... It's, it's so f- Catholic, it's it's a cardinal.
1: Yeah. So, what is your favorite
0: scene from this movie? You've seen it a ton of times. What yeah, a like number
1: most? of times. Um, I don't know. God, there are, there are so many to pick from. I should say, this isn't even my favorite Scorsese movie, but it is, you know, because it's the one that you could tell, he made something that, alright, this is my calling card, and I'm going to get in the world here. Um, uh it's uh probably if not that opening bar scene then maybe the scene the second the second bar scene where like i always go back to the scene where the guy who's uh, he's either going or coming from vietnam uh, and he's yeah. getting like that party and then he just completely flips out at one point yeah. and tries to take a girl and that to me is like one of my favorite scenes in the movie and then it quiets down a little bit like he bring like Charlie brings this girl into the back to you know like I guess she either got knocked out or she fell asleep right. am I
0: confusing? She scenes? was the girl that they were fighting about.
1: Yeah and then he brings her into the back and kind of lays her on the potato sack and um you know what's another scene I really love um there's that one moment where Tony brings the guys into the back room and he has uh it's either a tiger or a lion yeah and, I, I just I forgot about that until now, <laughs> and you know he he's like he goes in the cage with him, and he's just like petting him. He opens
0: the cage, and <laughs> everybody everyone runs, jump, back.
1: runs back, and stands on the couches. Well, Johnny, I think runs all the way to the back. He's <laughs> you know
0: crazy, but not that crazy. <laughs> yeah, he,
1: an, another animal can sense an animal in the room, <laughs> and yet, to- like that moment is like. Really tender, because Tony's like, "Oh, you're such a cute little animal." You're so-. It's like, "Whoa, what the hell?" This movie. It's like we suddenly slowed
0: down for this moment right here. Yeah, what's another thing I noticed in that scene during the the, the party at the bar. H- Harvey Keitel, like they're playing the song "Rubber Biscuit," of course, and the camera's focused on him a lot, like in uh, "Requiem for a Dream."
1: Yeah, well, the technique they do for that was that they literally strap the camera to the chest of the actor. So that the camera is facing the guy and it follows him around. Right. So that it gives it a completely woozy feeling. I love that in movie.
0: Oh, yeah. It's. I think no, this was the, the first, first time... movie. Was it the first time that's happened, do you think, in a movie? Uh, I haven't seen it in any other movies, really.
1: Snorry Cam. Cam,
0: what it was called. Right? Snory Cam? <laughs> Snoring Cam.
1: It's in pie. Like... Right. Okay. Well, we're talking about that this is 1973 when the oh, Moonsheets comes out. This definitely came before
0: it. Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, final thoughts. What, what do you think of this movie? It's a really, it, it's a really good film about an entire world. Yeah, it's a it's powerful about the movie. The world of Little Italy, that freaking band that's all over the place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, it's
1: uh, the and also, <laughs>
0: and also great, uh, great music. The needle oh, drop. Yes. Uh, you know, again, like, and you know, and remind, just reminds me of American Graffiti.
1: Yeah, only a, kind of a little bit of a different music. This is a little bit more like doo wop. Uh, you know, you have like those, doo, 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 but doo, same doo, doo. music of the same era. Uh, great. Yep, Martin scores easy. Yeah. As <laughs> <laughs> Abuse and Butthead made that joke, and I just had to steal it. It's Martin scores easy. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Martin scores easy. Yeah. All right. So again, in our tradition of crazy nonsequiturs, by direction of the President of the United
1: States, stay in your homes. I repeat. Stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. For born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying... So hideous, there is no
0: word to describe them. i going to talk about a completely different film. A completely different type of film, rather. Yes. I mean, I if we talked about the same movie, heads. that would be stupid.
1: Yes. Uh, well, although one, one very small thing these two have in common, same studio. These Great. movies are both by uh, Warner Brothers. And uh, the movie that I'm about to talk about as a little piece of trivia... Um, was the highest grossing film of 1954 for, oh, if not for Warner Bros., in the whole year. Which, wow. Alright, you ready? I'm ready. For what? Them!
0: Ah! Uh,
1: this is the movie Them. Yes. Uh, which? Uh... <laughs> okay, what you get with this movie, uh, in a nutshell... About giant mutated atomic ants, right? Who have sprouted out in the uh, desert of uh, southeast um, or southwest America? I southeast is
0: yes, is a different <laughs> yes. The southeast would be
1: the the giant ants of Alabama or something like that.
0: Now there's a movie.
1: Yeah, man, Southern Confederate ants who have risen up to take over. Uh, Stuff. Alabama. Yeah. All right. All right. Now what you get with this movie, uh the, the interesting thing here is that for me, it starts out like a murder mystery. It doesn't start out it's, immediately with yeah, the Yeah, it ends. starts
0: out very uh ambiguous, not ambiguously. It starts out just uh with a with a decent mystery. Mhm. There's a, there's a little girl walking through the desert. Yeah, and they track her to a trailer that's apparently been caved out mm-hmm. a little and girl attacked who, by
1: something huge. A little girl who I have to think Jim Cameron saw this movie. Yeah, um, that little girl and the way that she's all shocked and she doesn't say anything remind me a little bit when Newt they uh, first find does her in aliens. Me of Newt. You know, and how Newt doesn't say anything for a while. And yeah. uh, I mean, granted, in this movie. You know How they finally get her to talk is a bit different, because they give her the smelling salts, and she just goes, Them! 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 <laughs> Which is one of the most memorable parts but of the here's movie. here's the thing,
0: if you go through half an hour, you wouldn't. if you watch the first half hour of this film, you wouldn't really know that it's about giant ants. No, you would just
1: think that there's some kind of strange disturbance uh, that's now, going on. Now, it's kind of
0: ruined, because even on the posters of this movie and the DVD covers, and everything... You're expecting There the are pictures ants. of ants.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the filmmakers, you know, they're... So,
0: so the filmmakers are kind of coy with it, even though we know exactly no, what it is. But it's, it's, it's still not like the really Steven, well done. It's not
1: the Steven Spielberg coy, where you know right away there's a shark. Right. Here, you know, the cops go to this house, it's all messed up. I think the one thing that makes there's it a little bit weird... There's a rifle that's bent in half. Yeah, there's a rifle that's bent in half, there's a giant hole in the wall, Right, if I remember correctly. Um... And then, you know, yeah, then they call these uh, two experts from the Department of Agriculture, uh, played by Edmund Gwen and uh, Joan... uh, I wrote down her name. Edmund
0: Uh, Gwen, you probably know him from... Well, he was Santa Claus. From Miracle on 34th Street, the original. (laughs) He was also in a movie called uh,
1: The Bigamist. And he was also in... uh, the Trouble with Harry, which was uh, one of the, uh, the kind of forgotten Hitchcock films that you should really watch. Because it's pretty awesome. Edmund Gwen is basically the exposition machine Yeah, in this movie. He really is doing... That's really what he's up to as this I guy. But he's good at He's great oh, to listen to. Oh, no, no, to. he is. Uh, I mean, he's basically... What I found interesting is that he's an ant expert. So he knows all about atomic ants. There's no difference. You can
0: assume a lot of similarities between ants and atomic ants. Sure,
1: but they're it, the only difference is that they're bigger. They don't have anything extra growing out of them. They, I guess, they'd have to explain that too. But so we um, find out
0: half an hour through the movie that there are these giant ants. Yeah, you find been out mutated because, uh, because of the energy of the first atomic bomb.
1: Yes, uh, the first atomic bomb went off in the desert. And, you know, they, they, of course, they tried to get everybody out, but lo and behold, they were the ants. And so they were affected. Um, and so the rest of the movie is just trying to track down where the queen colonies are. Because, and also, one of the great scenes where they explain everything, Emma Gwen has a film reel... Showing what ants do. That, <laughs> that part of the movie was probably <laughs> a little slow, but. Yeah,
0: but. It was kind of. It was kind of.
1: It, there they was a slowed lot to down to have an, an, a documentary short subject about ants, what they do. They can lift things 20 times their weight above their head. Yeah. They can crawl under pebbles. They can uh, move this pebble with only the help a little bit from one ant. And. So, yeah, but so you get a lot of this explanation, but what you get is a little bit in the same way of, as The Thing, yeah. as ha- showing, all right, here's the process. Here's what we do next. Here's who we go see. Right, here's nothing what we do. seems forced. No, I mean, if there's one thing, like, I did wish maybe there was a little bit more character, uh, but that's fine. I mean, I, you get enough character, I think, as you go along. Yeah. Not as much, I feel like there was a little bit more in The Thing. Uh... In this movie, you get little moments. Right. I felt like there was probably my favorite scene in the movie is when they're on uh, a helicopter. Yeah. And, and McGwen McGwen And yeah, James it, Whitmore. It calling, what's up? And James Whitmore. Yes, James Whitmore. And so James Arnest, by the way, is the other guy? Yeah. Okay. I figured that because he was the tallest. And him. I remember The Thing being pretty tall. Well, you also remember
0: James Whitmore from The Shawshank Redemption.
1: I do remember James Whitmore. from. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, what was his character's name, though? Brooks. Brooks. Brooks was here. Yeah. And Red was also. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you oh, know, Edmund Gwen, Edmund Gwen has to call his daughter on another helicopter. And they have this whole joke where he keeps forgetting to say over. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Because that, that's a way the filmmakers <laughs> are pointing out. In 1954, how silly it is to have to say over at the end of it. It's like, well, I have to say that. Just It's just something you do. All yeah. right, so we have to go over this ridge, over. And then and then she says something over. And he's like, okay. And he's no, you have to say over and out. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did like that scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, again, this is one of those B-movies where... Not there's no fat on the bone. There's yeah. you know it's watching these people trying to cope with these ants and then how I think
0: you said uh, in the thing it was about in in your review of the thing from another world it was about strategy. Yeah, and I think that's true for them as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, everything there's they is do, a lot of strategy. Everything things. they do to fight the ants is pretty logical. Uh, yeah, I mean well it's th- not so far out there that you would have had to take several logical leaps to do it. That that is true. I mean, this is at a time where
1: um you couldn't really have outlandish ways to uh to take out the ants. They had what they have available. They had guns and they had flamethrowers. Uh once again we have another movie that uses flamethrowers uh pretty rigorously. <laughs> uh you could say. Uh, there's no ant spared from the flames. Right. Um but, um, yeah, again, it was pretty entertaining. I, you know, this is kind of one of those movies I wish I would seen maybe as a kid, uh, on like a Saturday morning with cereal. Yeah. That probably would have been a little bit of fun.
0: Now, what did you think of the ant puppets? I actually
1: kind of like them. I mean, yeah, they're cheesy, but when I fir- when they first suddenly come on screen, it's like, okay, that's an ant. Yeah. I, I buy it. They're fairly well articulated. Yeah. I mean... Again, today they would probably use CGI. They would do it like Ant-Man. They would get ants that uh, maybe have a little bit more personality. But um, for what they're asked to do, like, uh, excuse me, I feel like there weren't as much of the ants as I expected. Like, there are some, but you don't really get the full onslaught of the ants until the last ten minutes of the movie.
0: Right. When there's, and you know, it's a pretty entertaining shootout between the army and the ants. Yes. Well, the ants can't really shoot back. They either will attack you or they won't. Here's the thing about the ants, though. In the first half of the film, in the first few scenes of the film, we know a family is missing. Mm. And we find out pretty definitively, those people are dead. <laughs> they yeah. are so Well, dead. they
1: show you the bones. Like, they show you, well, here are the remains. Yeah,
0: and in another, <laughs> and in a lesser movie, it would have been like, oh, there's a drunk that got killed by the ants, or, like, some vagrant or something. Or it would have been a criminal who escaped well, that's why from it's jail.
1: So, yeah, that's why it's so devastating, though, that this girl is clearly from shock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she went through real hell. Um, She's like... Uh... It's like, uh. There are certain lines in this movie, though, that it's weird how they work, and in another movie, it would be cheesy. Like, at one point, Edmund Gwen says, uh, we may be,
0: uh,. Oh, sorry.
1: We may be witness to a biblical pros- prophecy. Yes, come true. The and... beasts shall inherit the earth. <laughs> yes. Oh, there is one <laughs> quote that I wrote down that Okay. Rea- that what's, rea- what's, rea- what's your quote?
0: They're attack They're spreading phosphorus all over the ant mound to make sure the ants don't leave. Uh-huh. It says all parts of the nest should be well saturated by now. And James Jameson says, "Well, if I could still raise an arm when I come out of this place, I'll show you how well saturated I can get."
1: <laughs> There are little moments in this movie that are quite funny like um, so they find out when they're in Los Angeles how um, you know that there there was some kind of thing that happened on the night and the cop said well we picked up these three drunks and this and we pulled over the speeder and yeah. so they interviewed two of the drunks and they didn't see anything this one speeder is this woman who yeah. says <laughs> well I was
0: up with a sick friend last night and I'd rather not mention any names because he's married <laughs> <laughs> That's why
1: she was driving at 60 miles an hour because, oh, wait, I need to get home. Wink. That I thought was great. It's like that's one scene where, okay, we're never going to see you again, but you made your mark yeah. on this movie.
0: Now, again, this is another movie like The Thing from Another World that spawned countless imitations oh yeah like, yeah yeah it, animals mutated by science as belagosi
1: like, would say giant spiders giant bugs what nonsense <laughs> my own race of atomic supermen <laughs> no well that was that was his version of doing one of these yeah.
0: movies that's and when that, he had that, there would, would be movies like killer shrews or the giant mantis or the giant heel monster i uh or uh... Uh, one that i saw years ago
1: and i think i saw it just because i thought the poster was so cool roger corman did a movie called attack of the crab monsters and god the crab monsters are so bad yeah oh man yeah the ants are not badly puppeted um you know they look convincing enough it is
0: a fascinating idea like what if, what if an atomic bomb did mutate an, en- an entire colony of ants, and there were these giant ants like foraging around the countryside, like in the desert? I think Joe Dante, who you know, the director of Gremlins, talked about this uh-huh. as one of his favorite movies. Although I oh, think really? he has like two hundred favorite movies. But, wow, I, I but, mean, this isn't one of he, my.
1: This is not one of my
0: favorite movies. I'll say that up front, But, but it's this, a fun this movie. Is, this is a movie from Joe Dante's childhood, okay. and he was talking about like how there was this park behind his house that was kind of raised as like a development. And he always imagined like giant ants coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, if you, as you said, you'd probably, you said, you'd probably enjoy this a lot if you were a kid. I think sure. uh, it is a really good film for a, a kid to see. Not that it has any you know special message in it, but it's yeah. like, it has that perfect amount of, of, of logic where it's like, you could enjoy this as a kid and you completely get it. And it's a quality film too. You wouldn't feel like it's
1: not poorly made.
0: No. Again, like the thing, it's got a great cast.
1: Yeah. The cast are all professionals. There's not really, you know, a problem with a lot of these B movies is that the actors are completely wooden. You get like, uh, well, I know this is one of the notorious ones, but robot monster. Yeah. uh, um,
0: where, you know, just a half-assed alien, it's a gorilla suit and a diving helmet.
1: Yeah, there's a difference between just saying your lines and trying to and really believing them. Yeah. And I think people like Edmund Gwen and uh, James Whitmore do a good job with that. Another interesting thing with this movie, it was originally meant to be 3D. Huh. So that's why there are so certain that's why... shots where the ants are in big, weird close-up. And uh-huh. that was because it was meant to be 3D. And have an ant, like, crash into the into the audience. Did you... Uh, what's your favorite scene? Mm. I'll
0: tell you my favorite well, scene. Pr- I
1: think I mentioned it, the
0: one in the helicopter. Okay. I'll tell you my favorite scene now. It's the one where they show the attack on the ship... Oh yeah. That yeah. felt kinda of brief. It was brief, but that's why it was so great. It's like in the background, like all these men are just like firing and waving their arms and the ants are just like coming in. And it seems really intense. And there's yeah. this telegraph operator who's like frantically trying to yeah. send this message until all of a sudden he gets clamped by the amps and you get a Wilhelm scream. Well, there are three Wilhelm screams. I this counted movie. three Wilhelm screams too. Yeah. High five. AH yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I said, oh my god, the giant mutant ants got Wilhelm. No! <laughs> See, that's the kind of movie you have here, where multiple Wilhelm screams pop up. and um,
0: Effective use of the Wilhelm
1: scream. Yeah, effective use. And uh, it's interesting, because the end of the movie is where they... I actually wasn't really thinking that much about like atomic stuff throughout the movie. I should have. And obviously I got it when they the said attack. that you should have. No, well, here's what I mean to say. Of course when they say that uh yeah, the the atom bomb is around the area where this happened. Okay, yeah, that's where I think, about. It. but it didn't they didn't shove it in my face. Right. Until the ending. Right. And the ending that, But kind wait of a minute. Really... What
0: about all the other detonations that have happened? <clears> throat> and throat> then and Ed, Edmund Gwen gets his the little monologue at the end. Yes. <laughs> which is it's like Every film has that. Yeah, every bad science fiction film has that little <laughs> tiny monologue, and he and Where you just, have to bottle everything up. Yeah, like, he learned too late that man is a feeling creature, and because of it, <laughs> the greatest... but this is this is pretty brief. It's like two lines, and it's yeah, really, that is pretty fine. poignant. It's like we may have entered the atomic age, but we may be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that. Uh, so yeah, I, it was, I may like, be paraphrasing. It was kind of a fun movie. Um, better than it has any right to be
1: yes I yeah much better than any yeah better than any atomic mutant ant movie has any right to be and we are we time yep I think we're ready righty so that was them uh
0: that thems were they
1: thems how, <laughs> Another how great many film movies about that, pronouns yes I was gonna say <laughs> you know I mean you have it you have they um well, her, oh yeah, thank you. Her... You don't... I don't know if you have He. You have He-Man. He Man. Well, He-Man is there, That's it. You only really have I. I, Claudius.
0: Okay, well, I... I, the jury. But I, I Claudius uh, is a name. I, um...
1: I, I Robot. robot. We? There we go.
0: I, I robot. robot. We? We, the people. Okay. No. We well, the, that's not a movie. We, the... We, the... We, the... We, We, we will be blood. No. <laughs> <My friend. laughs>
1: All right, let's give up. All right, and, um, when we come back, uh... We're going to talk about this guy who, uh, you know, he, he's made a few movies and, uh, you know, a few of them have been pretty good.
0: And he has great eyebrows. Oh,
1: my God. And have you seen his American... Eyebrows. And have you seen his American Express commercials? They're so funny. No chance.
0: Google, YouTube, Martin Scorsese
1: eats a cookie. Martin Scorsese
0: eats a cookie, people. When we so, get back... I decided to do the scene... Like This time, with a cookie. What kind of voice is that? It's my David you're going to make fun of my... <laughs>
1: you, your David great, Lynch great, is your Martin great, Scorsese? Great, 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 great. Oh, <laughs> great, cut, 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 cut. Right, okay, right. let's stop this podcast right now. <laughs>